Gittleman here with you once again for the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. And First Lady is so honored to have my good friend, Dr. Eric Zylinski with me today. I have just learned that Eric hosts the most popular online source for biblical health and essential oil education. It's naturallivingfamily.com. And he's the upcoming author of an upcoming book, The Essential Oils Apothecary. How are you today, Dr. Eric? Oh, and Luis, I'm so blessed and honored to be here. We are doing fantastic, and I'm just thrilled that we could talk about this topic, which is really so near and dear to my heart. Well, what prophecy or how prophetic do you think the Bible was way back when with regard to biblical prophecy and health that we're using today? Are there any secrets that the, the Bible bestowed upon us that we can utilize today? Oh, well, yes, for sure. When you're looking at the Tanakh and the words of Moses all the way through the book of Revelation, where John, the apostle, talks about the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. We see this undertone throughout all the scripture that God is here to provide with the fruit of the fields and through even the remedies that he shares, even the anointing oil. Like we could really dive deep and why did God and how did God advise Moses to put all this olive oil and, and myrrh and cinnamon and cashew and aloe together to create this wonderfully antimicrobial herbal extract to use to be a wonderful cleaning agent for their sacrifices. Like there's so much practicality to the the words of the wisdom of the Bible. But so let's, let's yeah. talk about that. You know, I love the concept of the anointing oils. Was it just olive oil that was used for the anointing as, as I recall from my Hebrew school days? Yes, the, 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 it was basically an herbal extract. So that's what God advised Moses to create is to get this big old vat of olive oil and then put, you know, this amount of myrrh, that amount of, of, of aloe, that amount of cassia. And essentially that's how you make, you know, herbal oil. You could do the same thing at home. And, and it's wonderful because our ancestors didn't have essential oils like we use them today because steam distillation wasn't invented until the ninth century. So what they had was they used aromatherapy through a variety of other mechanisms. Incense, right? That's one reason why uh, in the story, the Magi gave the Christ child gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It wasn't like myrrh oil. It was myrrh resin. And they used to burn that. And they used to put that in their olive oil for herbal extracts. And I can't stress the importance enough of us using the herbs that God's guided us. And also through time tested, our ancestors have found so many medicinal herbs. But when you use them in their proper formulation, if you use them the safe way, they're a wonderful emollient body care, but they're so healing. So we're, we're seeing a common theme here. What is so healing, therapeutic, and blessed that bestows blessings upon us with the myrrh resin. I'm not as familiar with it. I know it's a little bit more expensive in today's essential oil apothecary, but why was that utilized, do you think, Dr. Eric? Yeah, you know, myrrh has a, a significant, um, significant traditional, um, sig- I mean, how about this? It's, it's 
one of those resins that has traditionally been used for sacred purposes. It has one of those aromas to it that brings you into a meditative calming state. Like it's been shown to help people get into that parasympathetic rest and digest state that we know as the healing state. So um, different cultures, especially in the Middle East and in India, they're, they're using myrrh and frankincense resin specifically to, to meditate. They see it as a spiritual practice, but myrrh is extremely rich in antioxidants. It's been shown in vitro studies to literally kill cancer cells. It's antimicrobial. And that's one thing too, we cannot stress the importance enough of, of, of these these plant-based compounds that are in the essential oils, specifically that the trees and the plants contain. It's their healing mechanism. It helps them ward off vectors. It helps them um, um, respond to infection in a positive, healthy way. And so it's essentially medicine. I mean, there's no other way of saying it. So myrrh is exceptionally wound healing. And that's something where we go back. It's wonderful for the skin, which makes sense to me why you would have this anointing oil, especially for the lepers, people that in this time, you know, in the Bible days, they quarantined the sick, which is what you do. People, yes, if you're yes, sick, yes, right, yes. right, you don't quarantine the, the healthy. healthy. Not the healthy. Uh, yeah, and the help because myrrh, yeah, myrrh is comprised of, of terpenoids and, and they have a, just a wonderful reputation as potent healers to help the plant, but also humans recover from oxidative stress and, you know, as an antiseptic, antithetic, anti-tumor, anti-parasitic, it's, it's one of those all-inclusive Middle Eastern um, solutions that we don't see in America, right? You're not going to see myrrh trees in Australia. And, and one thing that's important and Luis is when we're looking at the Bible specifically, we're looking at the Middle East. I mean, that's the context of the Bible. And that to me is the basis for all medicine that we have. But when you go outside to other areas, like in Southern Africa, when you're looking at um, America, North America, South America, you have a completely different plant structure, completely different um, homeopathic ability to look at healing. And now is the sky's the limit. So that's really the exciting thing. So I, I know there is a lot of use of hyssop in the Bible. Is hyssop still available today or were they referring to oregano in the Bible? Oh, no. Oh, for sure. Hyssop and hyssop does. Um, hyssop essential oil, you could re readily buy it and the herb as well. And there's a lot of great benefits to it. Again, it's it's known as a, um, a cleansing agent. That's why in the book of Psalms, David said, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash yes. me and I'll be whiter than snow. Right. Yes. And so we see that we see the composition. And it's interesting. The, you, you see camphor, alpha, beta, pinene, linalool. It's similar in, con in, in chemical makeup as lavender because of the linalool, which, you know, can explain why it has such a healing benefit to it, but it's extremely antiviral, antispasmatic, and it's wonderful for digestive health. So what are some of those other essential oils that are mentioned in the Bible frequently? I, at one point, I know we appeared on a summit together, you, I think you hosted the summit, where there's something like 10 anointing oils or 10 anointing uh, extracts that were used in different ceremonies throughout the Bible? Yeah, you know, there's, um, there are 
there are a variety of different plants that were used in the Bible that were used for herbal extracts and that now we can extract with essential oils. But there's there's something known as the 12 healing oils of the Bible. And, and it really starts with, it starts with um, Kasha. Kasha is this wonderful, sweet smelling cinnamony kind of rem remedy that cinnamon's wonderful. It's rich in cinnamaldehyde. Um, cinnamon bark's been shown to help clinically um, balance blood sugar for people. It's great for diabetics. Kasha is a sweeter version of that. And it's, it's a key, a key ingredient in the anointing oil. It's a perfume. Uh, it's a precious commodity that they used as currency. The book of Ezekiel talks about that. Um, but it is also rich in cinnamaldehyde. It doesn't have as um, potent of the effect of balancing blood sugar, but it's rich in antioxidants and cedar wood. Oh, I mean, how many times do we hear about cedar wood in the Bible? Um, it, it is a ceremonial, wonderful herb for cleansing, purification, ancient trees, right? The, the cedars of Lebanon, we hear all over the scripture, mm -hmm. but it's a wonderful, wonderful oil um, for, for calm, for meditation, for helping clear away wayward thoughts. Cedar wood is great to reduce stress and anxiety. And so there's a reason, I believe, why we see a lot of infrared saunas today being used of cedar wood, but it was the choice wood for building, you know, the ark, if we're building the temple. It was also a symbol of abundance and provision. It, it was a symbol of security, like the Song of Solomon and Zechariah talked about in Zechariah chapter 12, there, or, or chapter 11. It, the it is a wonderful way, and you got to think, there's a reason why the pharaohs of Egypt used the extract of cedar from Lebanon to embalm the pharaohs of old. And so, wonderful, wonderful healing. Now, cypress, that's another one, the evergreen cypress. Mm. You know, the Bible talks frequently, it's, it's that fragrant hardwood, and it, another symbol of prosperity, security. It was the choice weapon uh, or choice wood for, for weaponry that we see in the book of Nam. You know, cypress has many, many medicinal effects, but it's rich in pinene and limonene, effective antibacterial healing agent. But going back again a lot to the, the tree oils, um, we see, and I talk about this in my book that's coming out soon, The Essential Oils Apothecary, is that we need to get outside more. Like there's something that we're missing and we have missed, especially because of the, the, the focus of sheltering in place and quarantining the healthy, that we're not outside. And when you're outside, especially in densely wooded areas, you get to enjoy the natural aromatic compounds that are being emitted from the plants and the trees. Like, so when you put your nose into a rose, you're actually smelling um, volatile organic compounds that are being emitted from the rose. Same thing with the trees. And cypress is exceptionally healing. And because it's rich in limonene, which is a potent cancer killing agent, I mean, limonene has been shown to soothe inflammation. So I'm talking at a neurological level because a lot of folks are dealing with Alzheimer's dementia at unprecedented rates, like never before in the history of humanity. And, and can I, and is there something to be said about brain inflammation because of artificial fragrances? And I, yes, that is a proven connection. And so what we're trying to do is educate people to, you know what, let's think about replacing those synthetic fragrances and let's replace them with natural fragrances. 
AKA essential oils, and, and which ones help you increase your mood and help you focus a little more clearly. You know, rosemary, like the herb of remembrance, wonderful, wonderful herb that also the essential oil has been shown to help increase cognitive function. So cypress is one of those that we keep on hand because it has just deep-seated mental and emotional well-being aspects to it that I think everyone needs to have. And of course, we hear about frankincense, another precious commodity, um, part of ceremonial offering, uh, offerings. It was referenced several times in the book of Leviticus and Numbers. It was a holy ceremonial perfume we see in Exodus chapter 30. But frankincense has been shown to actually cross the blood-brain barrier and help people with cerebral edema. Some people claim that frankincense helps them with brain cancer. I'll tell you, very few things, as you know, on the planet are so rich in antioxidants that can oxygenate the brain that could cross a blood-brain barrier. It's Very profound. True. I mean, drugs just don't do that. The brain's fat around the brain called the blood-brain barrier is one of the most protective mechanisms on the body. And essential oils, when you apply them topically, especially over the scalp, can help. And so frankincense is wonderful. It's a great immunostimulant because of that. And so frankincense is with, yeah. Let me, let me ask you this, because you mentioned something that, that my mind just jumped to. So you can actually put this on topically on the skin with a carrier oil or in a shampoo in the scalp to get to the brain is what you're saying. Yes, yes. And so a, a, um, a recommendation, and again, encourage folks to get the charts and everything that's available in my book, um, because we show how to dilute oils, like by and large, again, let's put things into perspective. It takes roughly like three pounds of lavender flowers just to get one itty bitty bottle of lavender. So you get three pounds, which is even hard to analyze. It's hard to conceptualize. Like one lavender blossom feels as light as air. Imagine three pounds of that, right? And you steam distill that with modern steam distillation. And you get this highly concentrated um, concoction of essentially two to 300 different plant-based chemicals that we see as essential oils today. And so our ancestors never had, never had the potency of the essential oils that we have today, which is why you always want to dilute them with a carrier oil like jojoba, sweet almond, even simple olive oil or coconut oil in your kitchen. And so when you have, let's say, for example, um, an ounce of a carrier oil, you can put it in a glass bowl, you could put 12 drops of essential oils in that that's a 2% dilution. And that's highly, highly safe for um, children for adults for um, your, your skin. And that's a general aromatherapy blend that in a general aromatherapy dilution, that's widely acceptable that won't cause any harm. Now, if you're trying to treat a disease or help prevent an infection, well, yeah, you add a lot more essential oils to that. But there is a little math involved because you're never just going to want to put a bunch of oils on your skin. Same way you're not going to want to just put them under your tongue or, or drink them because they could be caustic and, and, and they could irritate your skin. And, and we don't want that to happen. Mm. There's another one I remember reading about. Is it pronounced spikenard, spikenard? Yes, yeah, spikenard. And that's a wonderful relaxing agent. That's one of those. Spikenard was first introduced in the Old Testament. Um, it was probably most well known as the expensive perfume that that the woman anointed Jesus with in Bethany, right? She 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 took that 
precious ointment that was worth a year's worth of wages. It was a, you know, Song of Solomon refers to it as a royal fragrant aroma, uh, prized. It was a prized desired plant. Um, there's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be said about the relaxing ability that something like spikenard can do, but it just has a wonderful aroma to it. Um, very, very potent anti-inflammatory. And you know, you, I, I don't want to be repetitive, but a lot of the oils have very similar properties because every essential oil, because of just what they are, I mean, they are the healing mechanism God gave the plants. Every essential oil has antioxidants in them, like very rich because they are by nature bioactive compounds, which are antioxidant rich plant-based compounds. Every one of them is antimicrobial to one level or another. And every one of them has some sort of healing effect on the body. It's just a matter of finding one that works for you. And some people really, spikenard is potent. I mean, it is one of those where it's very, very earthy and it, it could turn people off. Well, that's where maybe choosing something that isn't as earthy, um, like, you know, maybe like a frankincense, which is not as as potent. That might be something where someone might might go to. So there's frankincense, there's myrrh, there's the spikenard, there's the kasha, as you were speaking about. How many others are there left? Oh, there's myrtle. A myrtle actually is one that I'm learning more. You know, myrtle struck me when I wrote the chapter in my upcoming book on diabetes and obesity. Myrtle yeah. was in, myrtle was investigated for a potent insulin sensitivity reaction. Yes, and yes, so yes. mixed myrtle myrtle herbal pills. Yes, and it's 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 when you mix herb um, when you mix myrtle with fenugreek with cinnamon bark and oregano specifically, it creates a wonderfully potent synergy blend. Now, maybe this is a moment where we talk about that for just a quick second, because we hear frankincense and myrrh being mixed a lot. Well, yeah. that's because they actually have a proven synergistic effect. That's why you also hear about oils um, like certain uh, seed, like again, going back to cedar wood and orange oil, like that's a wonderful blend. You know, when you combine certain essential oils together, they have a more profound healing effect than just one by itself. And it's wonderful. It's just like the, the, the creative genius of God to create what he did in nature. And it's basically like a science lab for us to have fun and experiment and to see. And it's almost like you can't go wrong as long as you use them safely. But when you start to mix oils together, it's like, wow, one's good, but three or four together. Wow. That's even better. And that's what aromatherapy is really. And finding those special blends that have even a more potent ability. Um, there's one that's hard for me, or again, hyssop we mentioned, but there's another one, um, um, galbanum. Galbanum is a really uh, vegetable-y smelly, like it, it has like a um, um, green pepper type of smell to it. And galbanum is very unfamiliar with a lot of people. You could buy it today. Um, it was part of the holy ceremonial perfume that the book of Exodus talks about. Um, it, it's, it's a plant in the feral family. I mean, it's a wonderful, again, antimicrobial. It's good for oral health, but research has also suggested that it blends really well with frankincense. Again, kind of goes into play. Like a lot of these oils, if they're grown in the same geographic location, they really work well together. Um, just similar to how you make your own salad. I mean, you know, you mix a salad from the herbs and from the plants that you grow in your backyard off, you know, especially if they're indigenously grown, 
like naturally grown in the area that you live in, you find that the flavors really complement each other. You know, that's where a lot of people came up with their original like tossed salads blends. It's just like, oh, this is kind of the approach here. We're trying to make a really nice salad and have it all the all the healing effects complement one another. I, I love that. I love the synergy concept. Don't you think it'd be wise for a company to put together a blend of all these oils and make it a sacred perfume? Yes. You know what though is interesting? Um, I actually, I, I, I've created my own version of it, but you know, we've gotten some pushback from people that said, you know, the Bible says, don't duplicate, you know, the Lord guides Moses, you know, this isn't something to be used outside of like the ceremonial pur purposes. And, and may I suggest that for us to combine essential oils in a certain way to, to try to mimic the smell isn't a violation of, of the law. And that's where some folks have really criticized me of like, we're not supposed to ever duplicate this. This is only for sacred purposes. I'm like, well, we're not doing it exactly how God did. I think there's a little bit of poetic license here. And yeah. I, I want to encourage folks to, to your point. Yes, it's really easy. Even going home right now, getting like two drops of myrrh, two drops of cassia, um, add a little bit of cinnamon, one drop of cinnamon and put that in your diffuser. Like that's kind of what they did back then. It, yes. That's a nice way of starting. That's a lovely way of starting. So I actually had a, um, a ceremonial perfume, which was given to me by a high, I guess she was a high priestess. She was actually a reverend. Mm. And it was the most glorious thing I've ever had. She has since passed on. And so I, I can't, I can't get a source of it anymore, but it was absolutely glorious. And it wasn't exactly the same types of oils that they use in the anointing ceremonies, but used at least three or four for a wonderful blend. Very, very healing. But, you know, we're, we're talking about essential oils. And I note that your website talks about non-branded essential oils to provide education for people to uplift them, to motivate them, to educate them. But the point is that people are going to go out and try to find oils. What should they be looking for in the particular oil company? Oh, that's a great question. It, it, the first thing is transparency. We live in a day and age where transparency is key. And here's the fact. The fact is 75 plus percent of all oils on the market are adulterated. And quite frankly, we see an even higher number in the CBD industry and also olive oil. So to find real, now, right? Now avocado oil. Yes, it, it's a shame. And it's basically unscrupulous marketers taking advantage of people. And here's the reality. Anyone, you, me, anyone can put whatever they want into a bottle, slap a label on it and sell it on Amazon. No one is monitoring a product when it gets on the market. So what you want is to find a company. And by the way, there are several that do this, that will invest their own money and by the way, it's millions of dollars a year. They wow. invest their own money to have their product third-party tested. And when they get their product, again, they're getting, they have unique relationships with their sourcing, ideally. Plants, hopefully, are indigenously sourced, which means they're grown in where God plant them. Like, you know, you don't want to get orange oil from Michigan in a greenhouse. You know what I mean? Like, there's something to be said about the soil nurturing and feeding the plant in its natural environment. Like you want organic in nature. That's what you want. You want something that doesn't need pesticides because God's given it the essential oil and the natural defense mechanisms because natural or na plants and organic in nature, you don't need all those sprays. 
You don't need all that stuff. And so you want a company that has a good relationship with its sourcing and you, they could show, Hey, we have, you know, again, all this is available on their website, but the key is once they send the oil that they get from their source, from their, from their supplier to a third party test testing facility, this third party testing facility will give them a report. And the report's known as a gas chromatography mass spectrometry report. It's GCMS. Mm. Now, okay, I know you're not biochemist, most of you, and neither am I, but I'm, you know, like you, we understand biochemistry. I've been trained in it thoroughly when I was getting my doctorate, but you'll know whether or not by looking at that report, whether or not there are adulterants in it or anything detected that shouldn't be in there. And it's in the report. It's basically like a blood panel. It's not like if you were to go to the ready lab next door to get a heart disease risk panel that you would understand or need to know the details other than the executive summary that says within normal limits, without normal limits. That's what we're looking for. And all the companies right now that are worth their weight in salt have that report readily available even by the click of a button on their website or by, hey, you email their support their support person, say, hey, can you please send me a batch specific report? And why am I saying this? Because that right there, if they're willing to put out their money and also put publicly available the report, everything's out in the air. I mean, it's like they're airing out their laundry and it's clean laundry. And the companies that don't, at this point are suspect because that's the that's the accountability that the companies have done for each other and also the consumer and by the way you need to find something that you trust and some company that you like and maybe that requires a referral and i always go whether we i'm asking for you know a referral for a new barber or a dentist or a place to buy good shoes Talk to a friend that you trust. And believe it or not, that's a great place to start. If you have a friend or a loved one that uses essential oil, say, hey, what's your favorite company? And start from there. And to end it all, it, the oil needs to work for you. And there's something known as biochemical individuality, which I know, and Louise, you talk a lot about. What works for me as a 41-year-old male Caucasian from Poland isn't necessarily going to work for, let's say, a 75-year-old African-American from Kenya. We have different biochemistry. We have different melanin. We have different skin types and different hormonal, different endocrine systems, like everything about us, right? At, at the microscopic level, my biochemistry needs to work well with the oils biochemistry. That's why there's something known as the organoleptic evaluation. In the aromatherapy world, that means you have to test the oil through your six, not five, six senses, how, how it tastes and feels and touches, how it smells, how you interact, and also intuitively, because this is where I talk a lot about addiction in my new book as well. And there's a connection with post-traumatic stress and aroma. Like again, when you smell something, you're triggering your olfactory system, which has a direct impact to the brain, your limbic system, where your mood, your emotions, your memory, your autonomic function is. No other sensory system in the body has a direct correlation and a direct response to the brain. Everyone has to go through what's known as a thalamic thalamus relay. Every sensation in your body has to be interpreted before your body responds, but not smell. 
smell, it goes right to your brain without interpretation. Why? Because that is our primal defense. Before the advent of living indoors all the time, our ancestors used to really rely on their sense of smell for protection to determine, hey, is this safe? Is this food safe? Is there is there something that I need to be careful of? We see that in other primates and other mammals. Sense of smell is key. And so our sense of smell through thousands of years have been dampened because we don't need it like we used to. Well, supposedly, right? So you know you what I want? You know what I want to ask you at this point? When we talked about smelling salts years ago, was there something to that where they get that in order for people to kind of come back into true consciousness, we gave them something to smell? Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I actually cover that in my new book. I see. I love it. I I learned so, you know what it's like. You've written so many books. Every time you, I, you write, we write a book. It's like we go back to school. I learned something in this new book about um, what, what, what scientists are doing now to determine someone's likelihood of coming out of a coma. They're using, they're using someone's sense of smell. And if someone responds to aroma, through aromatherapy and other like smelling salts, that's an indicator that there is that connection with the brain that this person will more likely come out of a coma sooner than not. It's, it's, you cannot have that impact through pain or through other sensations. So it's not like you can pinprick someone in the bottom of the foot and to see the body reacts with the reflex. No, you don't have that response. So yes, to your point, it definitely, definitely smelling salts has that, but also we're seeing the true power of the olfactory system being used, again, as a predictor of whether or not someone's gonna come out of a coma. So I'm gonna start giving you a lightning rod list of health conditions. Can you tell me one or two essential oils that you would suggest for these conditions that could be helpful? Are you ready for this? I don't know. Hold on. <laughs> you're, 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 more than, you're more than ready. <laughs> okay. I'm let me gonna, say. I'm going to hit you with this. So if somebody, I have many clients that are suffering from Parkinson's. Is there something that could, could help, help them cope better? Oh, you went for the big one right off the cuff. Yes. Okay. I, I actually have a whole chapter on Parkinson's disease and epilepsy. Um, first of all, when it comes to, to tremors as a whole, um, frankincense is one that comes up. Um, for a lot of people when it comes, again, it might sound odd, but when, again, I'm looking at the tremor situation, restless leg syndrome, Frank, um, a topical application of Frankincense. But here's something to think about um, when it comes to um, Parkinson's is Copaiba. And Copaiba is, is similar to um, Frankincense and myrrh is that it comes from a resin from the Copaiba tree. But Copaiba is rich in beta-caryophyllin. Beta-caryophyllin is a chemical that we know triggers the CB2 receptor of the mm. endocannabinoid system, which is very mm. similar to CBD, right? So, yes. Yeah, so we're seeing because, um, you know, um, beta-caryophyllin is wonderfully effective at managing inflammatory bowel disease. It's an antioxidant, but it has been shown to improve motor dysfunction and guards against loss of neurons and can protect mechanisms of animals that have been damaged by Parkinson's. So again, that's one of them that is straight from the research. Um, so that's why we recommend people to consider a beta caryophyllin capsule, I call it in my new book, which is um, we have a blend of some of the most potent oils that are rich in beta caryophyllin, and that would be copaiba, fenugreek, and black pepper, clove, and melissa, all mm. high, all safe to consume, 
all highly rich in beta caryophyllin, but you blend those together in that special blend I put in my book, um, two or three drops in a capsule. You fill the capsule with um, a dose of CBD and then extra or, um, extra virgin olive oil or, or um, coconut oil. And that would be a capsule to hopefully help with, with the tremors um, of some sort. Palmarosa is another good one. That's a wild grass from India that's, um, that can help potentially help the brain detox and protect against Parkinson's. Um, there, there's a lot to be said about the research being done overseas because there's a chemical in Palmarosa known as um, geranol, and that has been shown to protect brain cells from damage by oxidative stress. We have a lot of oxidative stress. It helps uh, promote proper mitochondrial function and even reducing cell death, neurological cell death. So Palmarosa is another one. Lemongrass, very similar in chemical makeup. That's another one that can help, um, you know, help potentially look at as an herbal um, solution, not only to Parkinson's, but from a wide variety of, of chronic health conditions. And, and we talk a lot about um, lemongrass in my book from everything from cholesterol, balancing in the blood to reducing infection to helping stress. I mean, it's one of those, you know, when you're going overseas, you see how people intuitively use what's grown in their backyard for virtually everything. And that's what we see is like when you're going to the Middle East and Asia, lemongrass grows in abundance. You're seeing them use that for a lot of ways because, you know, it, it has a dopamine therapeutic ability that can be used because there's something to be said about, again, I don't know how deep we want to get to. There's something to be said about the dopamine um, um, producing neurons because Parkinson's is characterized by yeah. a loss of dopamine producing yeah. neurons. Yes, so yes. what, what does that mean? Anything that could help with dopamine production can potentially help minimize the risk of developing Parkinson's, but also help manage the symptoms. So that's where, you know, fennel, another good one comes into play has been shown in one study from Iran, observed that fennel oil protected female rice with Parkinson's and without ovaries, by the way, from motor impairment. Mm -hmm. So that's something to be said. Like, what does that mean? Like, you can consume that. You can also apply a nice um, topical blend, give yourself a nice neck rub, um, body oil. Like it's one of those that, that can help in a variety of ways. Okay, I've got another one. I have the, the, the big three. One was Parkinson's. I have a Vietnam vet who is suffering from Agent Orange, what would you suggest? Oof. Not to put you on the spot. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I would say when it comes down to it, when it comes to something like that, I mean, when it comes to something, I would, you know, a tactical herbicide, like one of my focal points, especially in my book, is to help people with symptoms. So, you know, there's certain things that only essential oils and medicine can do. So if, if we can't reduce the damage that was done, again, we, we can't go back in time. But my question would be, what are the most potent, most potent symptoms that this person's dealing with? And that's where, you know, my cancer chapter, you know, I, I'm not talking, you know, some people have, and they claim that essential oils can help with cancer, but it's more about what about the libido? aspects? What about the erectile dysfunction? What about the insomnia, the pain, the wayward thoughts, the, the, the depression, like that symptom-based management is where I see essential oils have a profound effect. So my question to this person would be like, what symptoms 
are they dealing with and how can I make your life better? And so some common symptoms of Agent Orange, nerve disorders, muscular dysfunction, hormone disruption, heart disease, right? Type 2 diabetes. There's a number of things an Agent Orange can be connected to. So I would kind of go one by one by one, like, okay, what's your biggest complaint right now? Um, and if your biggest complaint is, you know, type 2 diabetes or blood sugar imbalance, yeah, we go back to what we talked about with cinnamon. You know, if it's something like heart disease, well, maybe it's, it hasn't manifested through hypertension because now research has shown that ylang lang and lavender can help with people when but it comes to hypertension. There's definitely a breathing issue going on now, Dr. Eric. There's a oh. respiratory issue. So yep. I'm going to give you a little hint here. So respiratory is an issue that's very big these days because of what we're what we're experiencing with this pandemic. So is there something I can suggest to him in reference to the respiratory oxygen situation? Oh yeah, for sure. And that's, that's great. That's a great tip because when it comes to breathing, first of all, if you can, ideally, I want to encourage you to go outside in nature, like try to go out to a park that's densely wooded with trees, or if you have a, a national or state forest nearby, try to just go out. And that right there can do a wonderful number to help you breathe and to help you get nice, subtle, volatile organic compounds. And with that, those same oils that are outside, you know, like the myrtles and the rosemaries and the, um, the cedar woods and the cypress, those are great for respiratory, but traditionally we have eucalyptus and peppermint. Mm, Wonderful. Eucalyptus. Right. That, that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah. Rich, rich in, um, one eight cineal, which is a great anti-inflammatory. I have a blend. I'll give you a blend that, that we suggest again, this is straight from my book here. So I'm giving you a little teaser. This is what we call our easy breathing blend. And what you'll do is you, you'll get a, essentially what we try to teach people is make the blends that work for them and and similar to how you know the essential oil companies make the blends but you start with 20 drops of eucalyptus and it could be eucalyptus radiata or eucalyptus globulus because there's various varieties get 20 drops of eucalyptus 15 drops of orange 15 drops of mandarin 10 drops of cardamom 10 drops of ginger 10 drops of peppermint and five drops of tea tree. You put all of those in a little tiny five milliliter bottle. And this is what I'm calling your easy breathing blend. Mm -hmm. And this right there, you can put three, four drops in your water diffuser. You could put 15 drops in an aromatherapy inhaler. You can go on Amazon to buy, it looks like a lipstick tube or a chapstick tube that has a cotton swab in the middle that you can saturate with oils. Um, this is something you make a salve. You can make a spritzer from. I mean, a million ways to use this, but this this blend is a great starting point for people um, because of its anti-inflammatory ability, because it helps open up the airways. Why? Because it helps people with COPD and asthma and allergies, and it's a great place to start, but it has all the best of them, all the best oils that people use. And um, ultimately, though, quite frankly, it's a matter of trying a couple different oils. And for people specifically with breathing conditions, I want to caution to start small, to start slow, because a lot of folks with especially autoimmune conditions, everything bothers them. Like, I mean, they go outside and breathe fresh air and they could have some kind of anaphylactic attack. It's like when your body is so hyper inflamed and in this state where it sees its own self as a disease, right? Autoimmune conditions, any little thing can trigger an outbreak of any sort and a response. So 
oils are very potent. That's why starting small, maybe for someone with exceptional breathing conditions, putting one drop in a diffuser instead of five drops might be a good place to start. Having a nice subtle aroma, get your body used to. And, I like that. Right? You start small and work your way up. And last but not least in our last two minutes, PTSD. Oh, okay. Here's the thing about PTSD. I'm glad you mentioned that because here's the thing. I can't prove it, but I think research is going to prove, substantiate my theory here. We are about to embark on a mass true pandemic of people with PTSD. Who, Who has not been traumatized by the last year and a half? I mean, even if it's by virtue of being told by your government, you can't leave your house. That's traumatic. You're losing a job. That's traumatic. You can't go to Disney World. That's traumatic for some people, right? You name it. God forbid you lost a loved one. We have been so traumatized by the happenings, the sociopolitical happenings that we are embarking in a lot, a lot of mental health concerns. That's why, you know, addiction and and substance abuse is skyrocketing. So... My caution is for people to really be careful with how they are responding to what's happening right now. And the huge disclaimer here is please, please take this seriously. And there's no shame in requesting and and going to get professional help. I, I, I see this more than ever. The therapists that I know, like we're talking professional counselors, they're getting help. Because they've recognized the early signs of PTSD because of what's happened during this pandemic. And so first of all, I want to encourage you, if you are in a place where you could talk to somebody professionally or even a friend, here's a tip. And I learned this from my friend, Dr. Tony Jimenez, who runs the Hope for Cancer Clinics around the globe. Yes, he's a wonderful guy. I know him well. Every one of his patients... And Louise goes through emotional recall therapy because according to Dr. Tony at, at its root, cancer is an emotional disorder. Yeah, so they're I going, th- so what are they going through? Emotional recall therapy. And that is basically retracing back and, and processing traumatic events. And here's what the therapists do. They have aromatherapy with them during the sessions and they choose an aroma that's very pleasant to the individual, right? And that right there, is gonna produce an anchor, a literal neurological anchor that will bring you through healing for the rest of your life. And I wanna give you that tip because that's the power of the limbic system, your brain, your memory, your mood, your emotions, your autonomic function. So you need to go through a few different aromatherapy strategies, go through a couple different blends, go through, but whatever you smell, and I'm not kidding, that literally will put a smile on your face. And for me, that's changed over the years, but I love a blend of like bergamot and lime. I love a blend of cedarwood and orange. Actually, Douglas fir and orange is one of my favorite blends. But you see, I have happy memories with these blends. And so when I hit a hard spot, which is invariable, you know, it's going to happen. I'm going to hit my hard spots too, like everyone. I go back to those blends and it literally reminds me because that's the power of smell of when I had a positive experience, an emotionally uplifting experience, an overcoming experience. Now the flip end can happen. So let's say, for example, no joke that here you are diffusing lavender oil and you get word that XYZ happened and you had a potential traumatic experience to hearing a loved one died or whatever it might be, that smell can anchor your brain in a negative way. Where why some people, they can't stand the smell of certain aromas because it reminds them of abuse or trauma. 
And that's the power of the memory. It's why when you smell a certain perfume or cologne, it reminds you of your boyfriend or his girlfriend 50 years ago. Like yes. you will be there. And the thing is, emotionally, you will be there. The same emotions are triggered. It's, it's wild what power the memory has to produce a neurological or physiological response based off of a smell. So all that to say is find something that doesn't trigger any anxiety or stress because you might be surprised and women especially who might unfortunately have had a traumatic abusive experience let's say with roses in the background let's say you know a woman was dating a man that abused her and he gave her some roses the night that she got abused roses can be a negative trigger for the rest of her life and she might not even know it she might not even recognize it especially those women who have repressed that memory this is real i mean this is real deep stuff for people and so this is why we need to be very aware very aware of how we respond that's why i'll put a smell in front of someone's nose or someone samples and they're like oh i can't handle this like why it smells good to me even at a even at a subconscious level it's a threat to them and it's not because it's a dangerous oil it's because potentially PTSD. So all that to say is I want to encourage people to find something that literally puts a smile on their face. And like me, my, my bergamot or lime blend or my Douglas for an orange blend, that will be an anchor for the rest of my life of a season that something good happened. And again, my lime bergamot blend was when I wrote my first book. And I don't know if you remember your first book and Luis, but that's a big deal. Your first book is a lot of pressure. You know, <laughs> it's like a, it's like a marathon, right? Oh my God. After the first book, I said, I can never write another book. Yeah. It's that like pregnancy. Amnesia. It's like pregnant amnesia. How many times does a woman say that? And next thing you know, my wife has five kids. It's Same like, thing. don't you remember? Don't you remember saying you never want another? You know? <laughs> so so yes, amazing. We, we have by the, way, amnesia. by the way, yeah. I want to share with my listeners as we, and this very, very, aromatherapy enriching podcast with Dr. Eric Zylinski that my favorite essential oil is actually um, sandalwood. I, I'm not sure what sandalwood does, but I'm sure it's balancing the parasympathetic and sympathetic. Oh yeah, sandalwood is wonderfully healing, um, whether it's from Australia or India or um, Hawaii, but sandalwood, again, going back to those woodsy oils, it, it, it is rich, rich in anti-inflammatory, anti-anxiety properties. But you know what? Sandalwood is wonderful for the skin. That's why you see a lot of um, healthy skin blends. Anti-aging blends have um, sandalwood, but it's wonderful as a sedative. So yeah, to your point, um, it is to your point. What I need. Yeah, everyone who doesn't like it can help with sleep, um, help with motor activity, goes back to Parkinson's. It has a wonderful relaxing because of a chemical known as Santalol. So it's a fantastic, um, even cancer fighting agent. Wonderful. I'm so glad I brought that up. So where can my listeners find you and find the book? Yes, please, please. Uh, the book, The Essential Oils Apothecary, comes out in September. And it, you can go to eoapothecary.com. And I have a wonderful little gift package where my wife and I created a series of uh, do-it-yourself demo videos where we walk you through how to make a number of these recipes and we talk more about these things. And again, the book, The Essential Oils Apothecary, it's available everywhere books are sold. And you do such a good job with your marketing. I really have to take my hat off to you. 
you know, when I met you so many years ago at the functional medicine, I think it was a conference that we did with our good friend, Dr. Peter Osborne. I said to myself, this guy is really got it. You're one of the top five motivational speakers I've ever heard, Dr. Eric. Oh, it was such an honor to share the stage with you. I remember being on the panel and I felt woefully inadequate. Um, but you know what? By the grace of God, I'm no jokes. I so appreciate you and thank you for all your wonderful work too. You're entirely welcome. And I want to thank all of my listeners for tuning in yet once again to the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. I especially want to acknowledge my new sponsor, cs-health.com, cs-health.com. They're the makers of Vitalica and Vitalica Plus, which is the only enriched broccoli seed product in the market that actually delivers sulforaphane for liver detox, immune system support, brain function, and is a marvelous skin antioxidant. I take it internally instead of an external sunscreen. So thank you very much, Vitalica Plus, the makers of Vitalica Plus CS Health. And I'll see you all next time. Shalom, my friend. Shalom.